0: hey welcome back to the naked security podcast i'm kimberly trung and to my virtual left i've got doug ameth
1: happy master's week everyone some good golf on that's the first thing i want to say and second uh kim i can see you on the zoom and based on how the sun is coming into the room and casting a shadow on the pillow behind you, I believe you to be facing south, and therefore I believe myself to be on your physical left as well.
0: <gasps> Confirmed by science. Happy to be here. <laughs> to my virtual right, I've got Paul Ducklin.
2: Hello, everybody. That's all I've got. <laughs> For now, anyway.
0: Doug, I don't know anything about golf.
2: Imagine a sport that is even less exciting than baseball, and you have golf, <laughs> oh come on oh. Uh, I just watch I will say you get good fights in baseball, by golly, they don't go at a half yeah, go not to a part. lot of good fights in golf,
1: unfortunately, if you like that type of, yeah,
0: game. unless we're talking like uh, happy Gilmore huh
1: yeah, that was a that was an anomaly that's not how actual <laughs> golf is, but um it's getting there with this younger generation,
0: speaking of. Things happening this week, I have an oh no of the week. Oh yes. And the only thing I'm gonna say is pay attention to your plus signs.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah, I will I will add to the tease by saying I was reading through this, I I kinda knew it was coming, and I was like, Oh no, because this has happened to me. So you've I mean, done
2: that. Yeah, I think we all yeah. have. That's the <laughs> uh and we've all Never admitted it till now.
0: Stick around to the end of the episode, and you're going to hear the Ono oh of the Week. What are our headlines today,
1: Doug?
2: Well, if you
1: like smishing, this is the show for you. Stick <laughs> around and strap in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got some Black Friday tips, which anyone could use. And I think they, they kind of extend outside of Black Friday, too. But Black Friday is coming up here in the U.S. It's uh, its own holiday of sorts.
2: They don't maybe extend beyond Black Friday. That was the whole purpose of the article, that... Let's use Black Friday as a reason to engage with people who are prepared to take cybersecurity seriously because it's Black Friday in the hope that they'll keep doing it for Blue Monday, Red Tuesday, Green Wednesday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love me a good sale. Although the thing that I can't get over is how Black Friday has become a global phenomenon. Years ago, I went to Norway and... Was very surprised to see many Black Friday signs up in retail shops. It's a it's a thing that's not just uh, U.S. based anymore.
2: What makes it much worse than that, Kimberly? is we, you guys have your Harvest Thanksgiving on a Thursday, in most commonwealth countries it's on a sunday in canada it's on a monday and it's at different Mm. times of the year so in australia you're looking at march or april in the uk it's september or october because it's the Mm. autumn full moon in canada it's october because their winter comes earlier etc so there's no connection necessarily with friday uh being the gap where everyone takes the day off and there's not even any connection with november so Last year, I had a spam in the UK that said, welcome to Black Friday month. And if that's was not a say, yeah. contradiction in terms <laughs> no. that says, be very careful, 367 days a year, folks, um, that's it. And, you know, Black Friday week is the people who are being a little bit more rational about it. Yeah. And it's still just crazy because the Friday is nothing to us, right? We, we don't have the right. Thursday off. We don't have the Friday off. But like you said, everyone loves a sale. And it's all that's- going to be online this year, isn't it? All
1: the Mm. car ads, it's Black Friday all month. No, it's not. Just stop. (laughs) Please stop doing this. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. We're going to do smishing, smishing, and Black Friday. But first, I got a fun fact for this week. The first American alarm clock was created in 1787 by Levi Hutchins in Concord, New Hampshire. Great. This device only rang, however, at 4 a.m. You could not set it for anything other than 4 a.m. to wake him up for his job. The French inventor, Antoine Redier, was the first to patent an adjustable mechanical alarm clock in 1847. So imagine that. Show of hands, does anyone still use an alarm clock now that everyone's working from home full time? Sure.
0: I don't have a separate one, if that's what you're asking. I use my phone's alarm clock.
2: I have an alarm clock that is, can also be used as a telephone. If you really want to,
1: ah, that's exactly <laughs> uh,
2: exactly right. Of course, the actual alarm clocks go way, way, way before that. The the ancient Greeks and uh, Romans used uh, water clocks for alarms because obviously they had a water. They used dripping water to keep the time, the flow of water, which you can control quite precisely. And then, you know, when it reached a certain level, then some valve would open, and then they'd they they'd play sound. You know, use a, a water organ or some water pressure to to ring gongs or drop pebbles on things that made a noise or play a noise through a whistle etc etc and apparently in in london in i guess edwardian times early in the uh, 20th century you know once people started commuting to work in that waker upper was a job that people did banged on their door tapped on their window to to make sure they were they were awake to get their train or get to work or whatever it was
1: my kids would be great at that (laughs) i digress yeah let's talk about smishing as we've worn before phishing via SMS, or smishing for short, it is still popular with cyber criminals. Why? That's because pretty much every mobile phone in the world can receive text messages, and even if you've got no credit to send messages or make calls or no third-party apps installed, no Wi-Fi connectivity, those messages can still get to you. So. Uh, Paul, what's happening here in this first story? We've got a big smishing hoax going
2: around. Well, this is very kindly sent in by an alert reader um, who who has actually sent us quite a lot of stuff in the past. Tips at Sophos.com if you want to let us know about stuff. And this was quite a, a big thing in the UK. Uh, as you'll see when we get on to the next story, it had a, an unfortunate side effect. And this was the, the traditional thing with a, your mobile phone company. So you get an SMS. Of course, the mobile phone company can always reach you, and generally they don't phone you up. They SMS you, and they say, "We haven't. It's simply we haven't received your payment. Uh, click here to sort it out." And you think, "Well, I don't want to get cut off. Something must have gone wrong." You kind of assume the problem must be at their end. And you know who hasn't had a, who hasn't had a? Hey, you need to pay this account, but if you've paid recently, maybe our accounting system hasn't caught up with the internet yet. So we all have had that experience that you know you've paid, and you know that they haven't clocked it yet, and maybe you just want to check what's going on. So you click the link, and you go to an almost pixel-perfect copy of the real login page for the real mobile phone company. And if you're tired, or if you're in a hurry, or you know just not thinking straight, you kind of log in. To check your account and of course good old story you are giving your password away to the crooks so i guess it's just yet another way of crooks reaching you using what feels like an old tech method text message should be safe but of course as soon as you tap on the link you're into your browser and all the old school risks are on again and you're on your phone where there's less space in the address bar to read what bad has happened there
1: yeah i gotta say is if if you get duped by this url which has o2 in it somewhere once you click through it's a pretty convincing looking mm-hmm. page
2: except for the oot yeah oot
0: yeah i was just going to say the same thing it looks good
2: yes someone commented and said how on earth they made one mistake that <laughs> they changed the word out to oot <laughs> uh, which i and yet it's not a, a scam happening in Canada it's happening in the UK where we do say out and not out (laughs) and I just couldn't figure how they of all the mistakes the rest of the text which is you know quite complicated and written in professional English they got right and I just don't know how that error cropped up but as always if there is that telltale sign and you haven't noticed the link then you know it's worth having a careful read because the crooks only have to wake one tiny mistake to give themselves away because uh, as you said, yeah. Doug, this the, the the URL that you see it starts with O2, which is the name of a of one of the big four UK mobile providers. Uh, dot UK. dot something, and of course on a mobile phone when you visit a, a URL, that might be all you see. So you see the URL starting with the name of the company, as it would if you went to a real URL. would would have the name of the company in it somewhere, uh, uh, towards the left. And all of the bogus, random, we registered this domain to do the scam stuff is off the right-hand end of your address bar on a mobile phone, which must where it is much less likely that you'll see it.
1: Not that I'm looking to get into cybercrime. <laughs> but if I were, uh-huh. some advice I might have for the, this particular scam is to uh, maybe use a URL shortener. I just look through my own phone, and a lot of these types of legit text messages that I'm getting about half of them are using the, the company address, like my Verizon bill. But so, a lot of them are using URL shorteners, because it's a text message, you only get so much. Right. So I think yeah, we
2: talked about that last time we we, we discussed smishing that, that, that URL shorteners are very commonplace, particularly if you're a business that has quite a long company name, and that's in your URL. The good news is that the URL shortener bounces you through an HTML or an HTTP redirect. So you still end up on the on the actual site mm-hmm. so the address bar still shows you where you've got to but you're right the this one didn't use a url shortener and i guess different strokes for different folks right some crooks will use a url shortener because it's convenient and it saves them space just like it does a regular company but some go well people have people are now learning don't trust url shorteners even though they're yep. kind of, the, the technology is quite neutral. It's a redirect that it still lands you on the page, on the final page where you can see exactly what the URL is.
1: It is weird too, given the dearth of real estate on, on the phone, once I click through to that, I can see Verizon on the top of the second I touch the webpage, the URL bar disappears basically. Mm. So yeah. I think they're, they're counting on people clicking through and just starting to scroll and that address bar goes away.
2: And- yeah. Mobile browsers are making it much harder to find what's going on. Like I, I don't even know for most of them how you do things like check a web certificate or even if you can. On the iPhone, for example, in mobile Safari, once you're on the site, it just shows you the domain name and it doesn't show you all the stuff that's off to the right-hand end at all. So if you want to check what was the exact URL, it's a big effort, right? But the best bit of advice is don't click links that you're certain are going to take you to a login page because you should know where the login page is already. You could just go to the site yourself and then you will get to the real URL and you will get the real login page and you will not have misspellings like OOT on it. This is a
1: good one because it's preying on people's, like everyone wants to pay their bill. So it's preying on people's, the the impulse of clicking something quickly when, when you're on your phone. Like I think the urge is just to click on that link and be like, what do you mean I didn't pay my bill?
2: Mm-hmm. Right. It just an example of how the crooks have an awful lot of choice, that some will use email, some will use SMS, some will use other forms of instant messaging, You know, and that's the problem. You have to be alert regardless of how the message arrives. Yeah. And I think certainly in the UK, it's quite normal for a mobile phone company to contact you by SMS because hey, they're a mobile phone provider. So particularly for mobile phone companies, it seems perfectly reasonable and normal for them to contact you by SMS because that's their main point of business contact with you is that phone number.
0: So you talked a little bit earlier about finding your own way there. So if you get a text message and it says, hey, your bill's late, find, find your own way to the legitimate website, don't click on the link from the text message. Um, is there anything else that people can do, Duck, to safeguard themselves if they get something like this and it looks wildly convincing, like we're, we're seeing in this one example?
2: Not clicking in the first place when you expect that where you will get to is a page that requires you to log in, is, that is the number one tip. After all, if you don't click, you can't put yourself in harm's way. Having said that, if you do click through, then don't be in a hurry. Yeah, We've said the word, the three words, stop, think, connect, many times on this and earlier podcasts because it's a the US government's uh, traditional guideline for how to be more secure online just simply through your own behavior. And I think it's just the fact that we're in a hurry. We're on our phone. Oh, it's a mobile phone company. I'll click the button. Oh, look, there's a login screen. It looks exactly like the one I saw yesterday. And you type in the stuff and then there's some kind of problem. You think, oh, I'll get back to it later. The only thing worse than getting scammed is getting scammed and then realizing afterwards that there were telltale signs that you would easily have noticed if only you'd taken 20 or 30 seconds out of your life to look for them.
1: Yeah, I'd also add that this is this is a good case for a password manager as well. Absolutely. Because, like, if I were to click on a link like this, my password manager would have my credentials loaded up into the username and password fields for me. And this being a bogus site, nothing would get filled in. So, I, mm. if I when I I have no idea what my username and password are for any of my banking sites because they're all different, and I store them in a in a password manager. So, that's a that's a good way. If you have people that are are uh, concerned about scams like this it, it just doesn't fill it doesn't pre-fill the fields if you click through and it's not the legit site. yes your
2: your password manager it, basically it it won't help you because it can't help you right it doesn't have a password associated with this weird domain and so therefore it can't help you put in the right one or the wrong one it'll just be silent about it or say there's this brand new site and you'll go that's a little odd and you know then you need to be really careful not to go oh well they've obviously changed the URL let me just so then don't click through don't don't allow yourself to help yourself into trouble but you're right Doug that a password manager the main reason I think people go for password managers is that they can't remember complicated passwords and people are very bad at randomness anyway so it's it's hard even if you have an enormous memory it's hard to invent properly random and complex passwords but the real flip side of that is the fact as you say that the password manager knows that username X goes with website Y and if site Z comes along it just goes sorry never heard of it the last thing you can do is if you we, we've said this before If you're looking for an antivirus, go for one that includes web filtering uh, because the thing about any kind of phishing is there's no malware coming in that you need to block entering your computer. It's the good stuff going out that you need to stop. And a good antivirus will know that a website that is already known to be associated with phishing is not a good place to go in the first place. So when you click the link, you just won't even get there.
1: I'm enjoying talking about smishing. I wish we could keep talking about it.
0: Well, good news, Doug. We got another smishing story, uh, and it's related to – so I'm just going to quickly – Well, it's
2: not a – the thing is it's not a smishing story. Yeah, exactly. It just happens that this story has, by ill fortune, I suppose, fed into the giant social media fake news machine in a disappointing way. And it's our duty collectively to make sure that our friends and our family don't contribute to bogus security alerts. Okay,
1: great. So the one we just talked about is called Smishing Attack Tells You Mobile Payment Problem, Don't Fall For It on NakedSecurity.Sophos.com. And then...
0: This This one is Instant Bank Fraud Hoax is Back. Don't Spread Fake News. So... Just a little bit of background, one of the most searched for articles on Naked Security this week has been an article that we actually wrote back in March of this year, entitled Instant Bank Fraud Warning, which is being spread on WhatsApp as a hoax. So, the bad news is that the hoax has returned, as we are going to talk about, and Duck will deep dive into but apparently it's on the back of the very sms smishing scam that we just talked about
2: so yeah i think that's that's a reason well i'm assuming so but then sometimes these hoaxes just get a new lease of life because it's their time to come into the limelight again and sometimes it takes months sometimes these hoaxes about wow if you read this kind of message you'll lose all your money instantly or something like Mm -hmm. that or your computer will be completely taken over or the wheels will fall off your car while you're driving to the shops Uh, sometimes they just come back of their own accord often after years of absence but you're right in this case it's a the the scam was originally the, the words go something like this straight from the city of london fraud team and the City of London, which is the the, the financial district of London, uh, the square mile, as it's known, they do have their own police service. And it is where all the most of London's banks are headquartered. So it sounds dramatic, right? It's got this call to authority straight from the City of London fraud team. Extremely sophisticated scam going about involving all banks. You get a message saying a payment hasn't been taken, blah, blah, blah. As soon as you click the link, your money is gone. And... I think what's revived this one is when we first wrote about it in March, the specific examples given of, you know, the payment hasn't been taken related to mobile phone companies and it just happened to be the same mobile phone companies that were targeted this time. And the reason it's the same ones is there are only so many mobile phone companies to go around. I think it's really that call to authority and the fact that in theory something like this could happen or could be initiated but the idea that you could somehow instantly get your bank password jump into your bank account instantly drain your account <laughs> yeah. you know Been i think while. we would have heard about that from the mm-hmm. police from the banks from cybersecurity companies uh, already uh, more than just seeing as you say this kind of thing in the hoax so i think the problem is that the people feel well i might as well forward it because what's the harm It's almost certainly false but on the vague assumption that it might just be true I might as well tell my friends because otherwise they'll blame me if it does turn out to be truthful after all. It doesn't work like that. You cannot make someone more secure by spreading a pack of lies that makes them go and waste time protecting against something that is either never or extremely unlikely to happen because it as I said before, it means they're not spending time where they could genuinely protect themselves against threats that are happening to them right now, like clicking on the smishing link and putting in their password. <laughs>
0: the actual threat. I love smacking down hoaxes. I love messaging people and being like, that's a hoax, take it down, and sending them like a very quick link to an article Letting them know that it's a hoax. I love being that person. I think people should try to be more of that person. Try to be the breaker of the chain, right?
1: It's one of life's great pleasure as a technology worker.
2: Plus one. That's, that's really true. In this case, the, the irony is that what we've had to go out on social media and say, spread the word to your friends and family not to spread <laughs> yeah. this one to your friends and family. <laughs> And of course, like, if it's so darn clever, then surely the crooks don't have to wait for you to click on the message. They just send you the message and instantly your bank account evaporates, you'd have thought. Um, And I suppose also playing into the idea that uh, that many people, and if you look at comments on naked security, we do get loads of people when we write about smishing and phishing going, but that's so obvious. Why are you telling me this? No one would ever fall for that. Mm, And, you know. (laughs) But they do.
0: And I think this all goes back to education, right? The best way to stop something is to educate people so that they can look out for the signs. So I think that's a part of that. Funny enough, um, weird tie. I'm going to just quickly promote something. Next week, we have an event called um, Sophos Evolve, and you can check it out at Sophos.com Evolve. And why I bring this up is because we have a really special guest. Her name is Rachel Toback, who you may know. She has been uh, multiple second-place winner for DEFCON's Capture the Flag, and she has a really awesome talk on live hacking, basically, humans, and she talks a lot about social engineering, and I imagine she's going to talk – Touch upon a lot of these kinds of topics in terms of like the psychology behind phishing and social engineering. So if this conversation was interesting to you, check it out. Sophos.com/slash/evolve.
1: I also am moderating a panel on Sophos Evolve about what to do if your company gets breached, how to have a plan in place, and how to handle a breach. Oh! Check that out as well. I combed my hair and I shaved.
2: You've combed your hair and congratulations Kimberly on the seventeenth of November as well, you and I will be uh oh on yeah a Ransomware Discussion uh-huh. Forum hosted by your friends and mine, Spiceworks.
0: Oh, guys, we got so many things going on. I'll, I'll drop the links to these events in the show notes so you don't have to worry about typing these in or remembering what we said, so I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. But yeah, lots of great events coming up. It's a busy November for us and I think there's a lot of cool stuff for you to learn if you want to check it out. Great.
1: And that article we were talking about is called Instant Bank Fraud Hoaxes Back. Don't Spread Fake News. And guys, while we were speaking, we had a comment come in that's dangling precipitously in comment purgatory (laughs) that I need a ruling on. The article in question is called Facebook Reveals Friends List Even When It's Set to Private. Mr. Tubb writes, begins out a good ordinary French chanteuse album and then goes careening wildly from all the tracks. I would say really any bad religion background music. I mean, I think might have regarding John Mayer. Look, I get it. (laughs) You're listening to a French Chanteur's album. Track one is a real banger. And then track two, it's like, where'd they go? They've, they've totally diverted from the slapper that the intro track was. But when you're listening to Bad Religion and to a certain extent, John Mayer, you know what you're getting. It's just hit after hit.
2: <laughs> I, yep? Doug, are you sure that this is not going to be one of your very thinly disguised adverts? for your death metal cover band all over again. Well, as
1: long as we're plugging things. I just things. can't help. <laughs> uh,
2: w- w- is it possible? Yes, th- folks, Ping of Death has been patched. Ping of Death. It, it, it's no longer going to trouble you. <laughs> well, well,
1: we'll trouble you with our French Chanteurs album we've got coming out around the holidays. Ping of Death. It's called Joyeur Noël.
0: I just need to know why this person left a comment on nakedsecurity.sophos.com about it sounds like a very deep cut mm-hmm. take on and on a few particular albums. I wonder which which specific which John Mayer album specifically they're referring to any of them that they're,
1: it, the, you it's tip to tip <laughs> start at one stop at the when it's done. you don't need to skip any tracks same with bad religion. I think what he's saying is the Chanteur's album, like, oh, this is going to be a good one. Oh, what happened? You know? Goes careening wildly from all the tracks.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Although, I do love me some Bad Religion and Early Day John Mayer stuff. But
1: maybe I will but, allow it. Eh,
0: allow. I say
1: allow. Great. Finally. Jeez, you guys have been against me on these. Block, 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 right. block, block. Good day for Chanteur's.
0: okay um speaking of good days well i don't know if it's a good day uh i tried really hard i'm stretching really really thin here but black friday as we had talked about earlier is coming up and we have a bunch of tips and duck you did a different perspective this year right yes
2: i mean the big deal about black friday is it has become a global phenomenon, even in countries that either do not have a harvest Thanksgiving festival, which is what US Thanksgiving is, or who have a harvest Thanksgiving festival that is not on thursday and therefore is not followed by a friday retail holiday that everyone takes off like in the uk harvest Sun- harvest sunday it's on a sunday canada it's on a monday in the southern hemisphere harvest sunday it's the the nearest sunday to the autumnal full moon is of course going to be in 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 march or april not even november so the problem with this whole black friday thing is it's no longer associated with friday or thanksgiving or november it's just yet another time of the year that might as well be blue sunday red monday peace tuesday <laughs> Puce green tuesday, wednesday etc you know yeah well better than Torp thursday i suppose <laughs> uh, my second favorite I couldn't find one that fitted beige, fortunately. So this year, what we figured we would do is to remind people that they probably have friends and family who for 95% of the year kind of don't think about cybersecurity that much but get into a bit of a frenzy because of Black Friday, because they know they want to get into the sales. They know they've got more than one day to do it now. They know they can shop all over the world. They know there are genuine bargains to be had. And so they, they kind of think, well, I'm, I might take more risks than usual. So maybe I need to do something about security. Well, let's just see that as a fantastic reason, a great excuse, a good entree, if you like, to get in and talk to them about cybersecurity in general. And if it takes fear of Black Friday shopping to get people more interested in cybersecurity than they ever have been, then great, because whatever they do for Black Friday is going to help them on Talk Thursday, Peace Tuesday.
1: The last good, exciting, exhilarating Black Friday, and this is not up for debate, was Black Friday 2006. It was about a week after the Nintendo Wii came out, and no one could find one, and everyone including myself was running around to every electronics store waiting in line trying to get their hands on a Wii. It came out at $250. I ended up buying one from CompUSA for $600, (laughs) which included the Wii console, an extra controller, and some really dodgy plastic like tennis rackets and bats. And that was oh, yeah. how you
0: got like the sport version. I got the sport pack for six hundred dollars.
1: Yeah. What a time to be alive! Oh, Looking for the Nintendo Wii in November two thousand six. <laughs> I remember it was. I was in Minnesota. It was bitterly cold. I waddled oh. up to Target. I got out of my car. I went to the door, and I heard this lady go, "Where do you think you're going?" And I looked over my left shoulder, and there was a line of about three hundred people. <laughs> I said, "I'm gonna go. Is there any they're gonna get a Wii?" And they said, "They're already out." I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll go to 900 other different stores looking for this thing. So I never got it on Black Friday. I'd eventually order it. Weeks later, mid-December, just a great time in my life,
2: FYI. Yes, I guess that this year, things like the iPhone 12 mini, which is only just coming out in the UK, uh, things like the, the the Pixel 5 and the the 5G version of the Pixel 4a, is it? You know, those are coming out now. They're probably going to be hard to get hold of. So there is an element of Black Friday craziness that people are more likely to be hunting for Mm -hmm. deals and for things they can't get. Yes, you could argue that it is more likely that they'll be suckered by emails that promise those free phones that never, ever exist, folks. But the bottom line is still that what scams you, on Black Friday or around this time of year if you're likely to fall for it now you could just as easily fall for it in March or October or June God, I'm struggling to think of the names of months here which is uh <laughs> although I <laughs> surprising I, I, since I, there are only 13 of
0: them I, thir- I think though there is a frenetic panicked energy around the holidays, especially if you have children and they want a particular toy and you are one of those parents who is like, I'm going to go out Indeed. of my way to find something and you come, I think there is some, you know, you do kind of uh, let your guard down a little bit. Um,
2: Everyone's so, hopped up on sugar cookies. And Kimberly, there's the fact that every <laughs> yeah. everybody knows somebody who actually did get a fantastic Black Friday deal, mm-hmm. right? even if it yes. was last year. Like $600 we. Everybody knows somebody. <laughs> Not a great deal. But everyone will tell you, yeah, but I got a $95 one. And, you know, even if they've halved it for effect, they still got it cheap. And there are some fantastic deals. And legitimate retailers do have time-limited offers and only five available don't they so the kind of squeeze that crooks love to put on you to try and get you in a position where you don't stop think connect you are right that they are more perhaps more likely at this time of the year to coincide with what legitimate retailers are doing for legitimate marketing purposes let's get into it let's
0: get some tips out there tip number one talk a little bit about this duck, write down contact details for your financial providers. Why should we do that?
2: Well, let's say something does go wrong and you do need to contact your bank or your credit card company. How are you going to get hold of them if the reason you need to make that contact is you lost your credit card that has the number printed on the back of it, or your phone got stolen, which has all the contact details on. So it sounds like a very old school solution but the numbers that you know you'd need to call for bank fraud, it's difficult to remember you know, your bank's fraud number because it's its just a regular phone number.
0: Tip number two, this is personally my favorite one. Learn about account lock features offered by your bank or card issuer. I have used this several times. I love being able to go into my bank's app and hit, I literally hit a button and it locks my card. Um, yep. I think it's as self explanatory as that. If anything fishy ever happens on your account or if you're worried that maybe you uh maybe you're like Doug and instead of going to Comp USA or Target, you you know, went to Bob's discount website to buy that <laughs> sport pack Wii and you realized after your purchase. Comp
2: USA with three S's. <laughs> yes, and a, exactly. Comp USSR. And a Greek A. <laughs> yeah.
0: And you realize, oh, shoot, this does not look like a legitimate website. You can log right into exactly. that app. Boom. Hit lock on your card. And uh, get in contact with your bank to make sure nothing naughty happens on your account. I think that's a great tip. The
2: reason we mentioned that as a tip, and some people have said, but that's not really a tip. That's just like everyone knows that. The point is that a surprising number of people don't realize it or they for many banks and for many apps this is quite a new feature and the fact that the at least in the UK the banks are still advertising this strongly as a new feature means that they're obviously not seeing a lot of people using it.
0: I would also encourage you to look into any sort of uh, instant notifications for um, particular purchases right so you could put on your credit card or your bank card hey notify me if I get a charge on my card that's more than a hundred dollars you can set particular limits and it will notify you that's i think that's been a that's been a helpful thing for me too just for to be on the lookout um and that's i mean if you're gonna get some random charges popping up that are large in amounts that will be a quick surefire way to learn about them sooner rather than later tip number three learn how to clean up your browser's autofill storage. Now this is one I would have never thought of.
2: Well, most modern browsers have a feature that, that the general term for it is autofill. And it's both a great idea and a terrible one. And the idea is there are some things that you need to put in regularly, things like your address, for example, when you're making a purchase and you want to delivery, your phone number uh, or your payment card data. And most browsers have an option And in some it's on by default that will save some or all of that data when they see that you've put it into a form now and they'll keep it in case you need it again and that sounds terribly dangerous because well it kind of makes it too easy to spend your car what if the crooks get the data the problem is that a lot of people don't even realize that they can go into their browser and look at what the browser knows about them And it's different for every browser, so you have to learn your way around it. But we have some tips on where to get started in our Naked Security article. So it's just a simple precaution that a lot of people, they do use that feature and they maybe don't think too much about it. So it's one of those things where your browser knows an awful lot about you, including how to buy stuff on your behalf. Make sure you actually want that to happen and that you're comfortable with the data it has and that you know where to find it and remove it when you become uncomfortable.
0: Tip number four, In the U.S., learn how to apply a credit freeze. Another thing I would have not thought of.
2: It's my understanding the U.S. and some other countries. You can put a freeze on anybody doing a credit report... And you might think that that's inconsequential, but basically it means that nobody else can apply for a loan behind your back and get it approved because the credit report will fail. It's almost like having a sort of two-factor authentication on loans, isn't it? It means that if crooks do get data about you ba- through phishing or through getting into your email or through some kind of identity theft, they can't go behind your back and open up take out a credit card or open up a loan in your name that even if you're able to get out of it in the end because you can prove it wasn't you, still drops you into an awful lot of hot water and uncertainty.
0: Tip number five, consider using a prepaid debit card for one-off purchases.
2: Yes, I put that in there because you may be the kind of person that likes to support independent retailers, or you see someone you've never bought something from before, and you think, you know what? I don't mind spending fifteen dollars, twenty dollars with that person, but you know they've got a they've got their their own homemade website, and you, you're maybe not quite sure what uh, merchant software or or, or cart, uh, you know, payment cart service they're using and you kind of think i don't want to put in my regular credit card which is can get me into debt and which maybe is connected to an account and which is somehow associated with me but i would like to buy from them and a prepaid credit card in countries which allow them is a very easy way around that it's kind of like a debit island if someone runs off with a number and abuses it, they can spend all the money on the card and no more. And it doesn't tie back to you. It doesn't have any connection with any actual account at your bank.
1: We had a local pet store uh, that we wanted to support. And you could call up and order your dog food. And the first time I gave our credit card, which is actually our bank card, I heard her saying, OK, just let me write this down. Yeah. Writing down my credit card number with a pen. Exactly. And then I went into the store to pick it up. Someone else was on the phone and I watched her write their number down. In a notebook, just that, below yours, where yep, you could read it off. That was kept behind yeah. the desk, but not locked. And then, lo and behold, a lot of people in the neighborhood had their uh, credit card numbers stolen because someone stole the notebook. Oh no! So use a one-off prepaid debit card.
2: Do that, <laughs> but yeah. So it, it it is a it is a way that you can spend money with people that you you, you like want. You, you trust the people, but maybe you don't trust their, their knowledge of the regulations or technology.
0: Our last tip, turn on 2FA wherever you can. I know we sound like a broken record. We'd probably say this at least once an episode. Let's do it. Tur- just turn on that
2: 2FA, man. 2FA, you, you already mentioned something akin to it. That's where you get the notification. Uh, when a transaction goes through and in, in some banks will even let you where you, you know you have to press a reply to a message on your phone before the transaction will complete so you can do it in real time and the big thing with 2FA is it it might not be possible for credit card transactions because some banks don't have a credit card specific, 2FA system but whatever you do please go and put it on your email account because even if you don't use email in your day-to-day life because you're more of a whatsapp WeChat, instagram signal telegram whatever person you almost certainly do have an email account and it's probably the place where password recovery password resets happen for all your other online accounts so the harder you make it for the crooks by making it only a tiny little bit more difficult for yourself the better you protect yourself and all of your digital life. Here endeth the broken record.
0: You heard it here, folks. Shop safe.
2: It's not a broken record. It's just one that repeats. It doesn't have a run-out track. It just keeps doing the same... <laughs> it's the same song you know, that, over and
0: over again. It's a
2: French chanteurs. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I remember that The Stranglers had an album, I think, on, on side two. The last cut on side two was called... I think the song was called For a Very Long Time. And the last groove on that track, it didn't go into the run-out on, on the vinyl. Uh, so it actually played the track, which had the words for a very long time, oh, infinitely.
0: Wow, that is brilliant. Now I'm going to go check that out.
2: It's amazing what what, what uh, analog technology can do for you.
0: <laughs> Good old analog. In
2: terms of auto-repeat. Speaking of brilliance,
1: do we have any... just feels mm-hmm. like the time... Just like a little palate cleanser, like something to really brighten my day, make me snap. Can't quite put my finger on it, you know. The
2: thing is, Doug, we can't do a poem because someone complained that literature, English language, and poetry is unsuitable for a cybersecurity podcast. Who did? A commenter on Naked Security said, "I don't need poetry." Um, got a lot of downvotes. You'll be pleased to know, but I figure <laughs> there's a place for poetry about cybersecurity. <gasps> Isn't there? There is. So with apologies to Mr William Wordsworth, I offer you this. I wandered lonely as a cloud, a well-known poet said. But that was then and this is now, and lonely clouds are dead. A lonely cloud is quite a joke. No cloud is truly free. And once your data's stored in one, it's cloned in two or three, or four or five or six or more. It's often hard to tell. That self-same data might be found in other clouds as well. Your modern clouds are packed with stuff. Some good, some bad, some fake. And when those clouds unload their rain, you get a data lake. So, if in doubt, don't give it out. That's what I like to teach. Because if you keep it to yourself, it can't be in a breach. Oh, I love it. Oh.
0: Yeah, man. That's so really deep, good, man. Good. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Take that, John Mayer. (laughs) Take that, John Mayer. Take that bad religion and...
2: (laughs) French
1: (laughs) Chantelles.
0: Yeah, Jean (laughs) Chantelles. Okay. Uh, It is that time of the episode where we are going to have our Oh No of the Week. Oh, yes. This has been submitted by a loyal Naked Security reader. Anonymous loyal reader writes one from a while ago now. Just as we were starting our migration from on-premises Microsoft Exchange to Exchange Online, I had built and configured the hybrid setup we were using and extensively tested the migration process to and from the cloud. Everything seemed to be working correctly, so management gave the go-ahead to start moving the first groups of staff mailboxes. The first batch of mailbox moves had gone through and there was nothing unexpected. Nothing had caught fire, everything was working as it should, so feeling rather satisfied, I went to get my first coffee of the morning, only to be stopped on my walk to the kitchen by a member of the project management team whose mailbox had migrated overnight. She explained that since the migration, all her mail folders had disappeared. The sinking feeling hit me so fast I nearly dropped to the floor. Somewhat reluctantly, I went to her computer and asked her to show me the issue. Patiently, she explained that pre-migration, she had lots of folders in the left-hand tree of Outlook, but now they were all gone. My brain was operating at near light speed, searching for a potential explanation and solution. Until I noticed the little plus sign by the side of the inbox folder. Taking the mouse and clicking it, all her previously lost folders reappeared as if by magic. Oh, man. I f- <laughs> felt smug. she felt stupid and coffee was had by all. Little did we realize that the path that we had set ourselves on for one does not simply migrate to office 365. The end. Oh,
1: I, I that brought up a lot of emotions and feelings. <laughs> I remember one time doing that. I think it was the first time and I don't know if this is a feature of Outlook or something, but sometimes it just it just collapses all the folders. And yeah. I had I went through the seven stages of grief in about three minutes. And you once you accept it, you're like, you know what, maybe I'm just going to start over. Those That folder structure I had wasn't really great. And maybe I've declared email bankruptcy and I can <laughs> just start over and start a new life with email. And then you hit the plus. And you're like, oh, there's everything. It's all there.
2: Have you ever had your Outlook folders apparently vanish in that way immediately after you finally decided, okay, I'm going to go and do something about my trash folder. I'm actually going to go and throw away stuff that I've really been meaning to delete. And you go, do you do you really want to delete 4,799 messages? And you go, actually, yes, I do. I've been putting it off for months. And then, you know, when you get back and your folders have disappeared, then you think, oh, maybe maybe that's why the warning came up. And it's almost good when it happens. And then you click the plus and it yep. all reappears. It's sort of like that thing about banging your head against the wall. Is it, It's actually not that bad because it's so brilliant when you stop.
1: And once you make your peace with the fact that you deleted all your email, even though you didn't, when it does come back after cl- clicking that plus sign, I like to call that relief appointment because you're relieved, but you're a little disappointed that you've got to deal with all your email. Relief <laughs>
2: appointment. <laughs> That's a good Yeah, one. a truly brand new email account is a thing of oh, great beauty, but... Like like a tidy desk. Mm. It lasts not very short-lived, long.
0: Short-lived. Short-lived. If you have an oh no, you can hit us up. You can DM us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Naked Security. You can also email us tips at sophos.com. Or you can leave an anonymous comment on nakedsecurity.sofos.com on any of our articles. Of course, if you liked anything you heard from today, all these articles are available for you to read on the website. And if you enjoyed your time with us, go ahead and leave us a five-star review in Apple. It'll only take you a few seconds. If you want to check out any of those talks that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, head on over to sophos.com slash evolve. Until next time,
2: stay secure. Stay I'm not giving up the poems, no matter what the commenters say.